heard that Victorians aged 12 and older are now eligible to receive the COVID-19 vaccine. There's an opportunity now for all students aged 12 years and older to receive at least one vaccine dose by the end of the school year. This is because the vaccine is essential protection against serious illness caused by the virus. Though children may be less likely to get really sick, they can pass it on to someone who could get really sick. They can receive a vaccine here at North Richmond Community Health Centre, by the way. To get across this in the studio, today I have with me Sandra, who is the team leader at Richmond Youth Hub, and also Ragda, who is a COVID-19 youth ambassador in Richmond. So we're going to be talking about how Richmond Youth Hub have helped to increase vaccine uptake in younger people. And we're also going to be discussing Ragda's experience with her own vaccine hesitancy and her own experience in quarantine after she contracted COVID-19. We're going to be discussing that and talking to Dr Innes later, who's going to clear up any misinformation that you might have heard about COVID or vaccines. She's going to set the record straight. So let's get into it. My name's Sandra. I use she and her pronouns. I'm the team leader at Richmond Youth Hub with the RU Youth Services. Hi, my name is Ragda Adam. I'm 16 years of age. I use she, her, and I am a Yakvik COVID-19 Youth Ambassador. Um, did you get your jab already? Yes, actually I am double jabbed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, what was it like before you got your jab and after you got your jab? Um, before I got my jab, I was very hesitant. Um, there were a lot of conspiracies about what the vaccine does and what it might cause long term. And I think it was just misinformation being put out and a lack of understanding. Was this through social media? 100%. Yeah. (laughs) TikTok, Instagram, all the big social medias I think the headlines for when the vaccine first came out was all of these hesitant articles stories theories and experiences from other people Mm. I guess yeah so what do you think your friends think about the vaccine now um I honestly I think Majority of the people my age got the vaccine to get out of lockdown because <laughs> I think the lockdowns affected them so heavily because, you know, we're the first people to have to do school re- by remote learning. Mm. And I don't think that is something anyone else has done and no one has done it. So I think, you know, it's a valid excuse to get out of lockdown and to get the, (laughs) you know, the vaccine. That's why you wanted to do it. Some people also wanted to do it because they had first-hand experience with COVID. Mm -hmm. Some people lost, you know, their parents, family members. Mm. Um, But, yeah, I think everyone's experience was different people's reasons were different 
What do you think uh, could be done to encourage young people to come forward for a vaccination? Maybe or what's it the what's the thing that the youth hub did where it's like for incentives? Yeah, the first thirty people who come they get or a seven eleven voucher or something like that. They were all for it between those ages. People between maybe sixteen and up, I think they most wanted to get the vaccine, not to miss out on experiences. Mm-hmm. Since that's kind of like a important time of the, you know, the youth yeah. lifestyle. So, so yeah. you think the mandate helped maybe get some people over the line? Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Sorry, I don't know how to put it into yeah, words. <laughs> but I guess it's like mm-hmm. maybe some people who just weren't thinking about it too much, too but much, when yeah. it meant that if you weren't vaccinated, you wouldn't be able to go to restaurants yeah, or come to program yeah. at the mm-hmm. youth hub. Yeah, like you had to do a lot of things. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I understand you got you contracted COVID at some point? Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So I'm not going to say who <laughs> or <laughs> anything like that. We won't name names. Yeah, but a group of people who live within the estate, they weren't really following COVID-19 safety precautions. But, yeah, they ended up contracting COVID and then that was passed along to my brother and then passed along to me and the household. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Was that before your first vaccination? or Yes, that was before my... Actually, no, that was after my first vaccination mm-hmm. and I think it could have been worse mm. but because I had gotten my first jab, it was more easier to deal with. Mm. Um, I think because I ended up going to hotel quarantine mm. and the reason to that is because, you know, it's more, you know, it's more damaging to people over the age of 40 or people of higher ages and my mother well uh, she's 45 so she could have been impacted by it so I didn't want to put any risk Mm. to it um so yeah two weeks hotel quarantine with my brother um a very interesting experience that I do not want to do again yeah. <laughs> you're, you're laughing, Sandra. Yeah. yeah. We had a lot of phone calls during yeah. hotel mm. quarantine and mm. Adam and Ragda having... Yeah, fights. Yeah. Lots of fights. Lots of yeah. fights. Yeah. Your brother. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Was it a good bonding experience? No, not. <laughs> not. I think mm. with a lot of the young people who were caught up in that COVID outbreak, I think after that, they're their view of vaccinations changed. Yeah, 100%, yeah. yeah. Um, after they contracted COVID and they were ha- they had to get sent to hotel quarantine, um, at first they weren't really hesitant. They just never, like, acknowledged it. They never really allowed yeah. it. It mm. wasn't hesitancy. Yeah. It was mm. more just, I guess, not really grasping the yeah, reality because exactly. it hadn't been mm. too close to them mm. before. So it wasn't that they were against the vaccination. It was mm. just more like, oh, it's a bit difficult to difficult, get yeah. vaccinated. Mm. So, yeah. But afterwards, there there was definitely a, 
like I feel like they were asked people asking about the vaccinations and everyone mm. came forward when we did the pop-up mm. vax. So have you um dis- did you discuss getting the jab with your parents and what did they say? Um Yes, I discussed it. They were all for it. Mm-hmm. Um I spoke to my dad about it. He is I think double vax mm-hmm. with the I don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the one. <laughs> um, so, yeah, he was all for it. I'm at uh, Richmond Youth Hub right now and there's a pop-up vaccination clinic, there's slushies, there's hot chips, there's cool tunes, and I'm curious to see how people are feeling now that they've got their vaccination jab. Let's go inside and see who we can talk to. Hello, what's your name? Hi, my name is Laura. Laura, and uh, what grade are you in? I'm year six this year. And you got your vaccine today? Yep, I got my vaccine today. And how do you feel now that you've got your vaccine? I feel relief and safer. Yeah, and how do your friends feel about the vaccine? Uh, I feel like they feel relief too and safer too. Are you going to go get a slushie now? (laughs) Yeah. I also spoke to Howie, who lives in the Richmond estate, and she got her vaccinations, both of them, some time ago. Hello, my name is Howie and I'm fully vaccinated. I got vaccinated because to save myself from COVID and for other two. If in, if I get COVID-19, it is help me. I wouldn't get sick very much and up in hospital or days. I'm happy that I get vaccinated because it's effective. Now I can go out, go to work and school. I strongly agree to encourage my community and people to get vaccinated. We can go back to normal life. Back in the studio again with Sandra and Rogda for the second part of our interview. Um, so how did the vaccination clinic for, uh, for young people at the Youth Hub go? Yeah, so we planned a pop-up vaccination clinic um, in partnership with North Richmond Community Health um, last week at the Richmond Youth Hub and the target was young people from the public housing estate here in Richmond. Um, I think... You know, we had discussed a lot of barriers. Actually, Ragda brought up um, some barriers to young people getting vaccinated, including not having parents and guardians um, consent or, or parents and guardians not being able to accompany their child to get vaccinated. That was one of the barriers. Um, I think um, a lot of the young people also had been affected by COVID recently and um, there were there was a lot of confusion around whether or not they could get vaccinated because there was a lot of um, conflicting information and I know the advice had changed recently. Mm. Um, so when we organised the pop-up vax clinic, we really thought about what additional services or support we could offer to young people to reduce those barriers. So that included North Richmond providing a GP to do on-site consults to, for anyone who had tested um, positive previously, um, 
and we had youth workers on site who could um, speak with parents over the phone to get information, um, Medicare information and things like that, um, and also facilitate the GP consult over the phone with, with parents so that they could get consent remotely or give consent remotely, um, which meant that, yeah, I think we had 12 young people get vaccinated yeah. that day mm-hmm. and three parents. Yeah. And I think within a, that was a three-hour period. So I think that was a real success. Mm. Um, and we also had some fun incentives like um, $10 oh, yeah. ice $10 cream vouchers. Cena <laughs> vouchers. Yeah. And those also Nando's. Yeah. Um, slushy machines, you know, to attract the kids and stuff. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, mm, I think, yeah. It was successful. Yeah, a successful, yeah, a successful pop up vaccine. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed it too. And the slushy, <laughs> I got cola flavor. Mm. And we, someone was getting, mixing the cola and the raspberry together. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that sounds. I forgot that was a thing. That is a flavor, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Clever. Mm. Cola raspberry. Yeah, um, we've got to give it to the younger ones. They came up with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've got all the good ideas. Yeah. Um, we've heard that, um, I think from you actually, um, you've told us that some young people are afraid of the actual needle. So how do they overcome that fear? <laughs> Ragda's <laughs> laughing because she knows that I myself have a huge needle phobia. Mm. Um, it's something that I've had since I was really young and I think something that when given that I was one of the (laughs) lead people in planning the pop-up vaccine I was really um, considerate of and um, it was really important to us that we created an environment where young people who were nervous about needles felt supported and um, as comfortable as they can because I know from personal experience how um, difficult it is to convince yourself to get a needle um, if you're if you're scared, um, and for a lot of the young people that um, we spoke to, it wasn't so much vaccine hesitancy; it was needle phobias mm. that were stopping them. Yeah. Um, and I think having the pop up vaccine at the youth hub where they had youth workers and friends and really lovely doctors and nurses Mm. um, who could talk them through it and, um, you know, just, I guess, give moral support was really important because um, the the other options can be quite intimidating for Mm. for people with needle phobias. How did you get over your personal needle phobia? Um... I haven't gotten over it. <laughs> I don't think, I don't know if I ever will, but I think, you know, I, as with any phobia, I know that it's irrational and um, it's all in my head and I just need to have a bit of a cry and Aww. a panic attack before the let needle. It all out, let it all yeah. Out. And once it's in my arm, it's, it's, it's done. then it's not and like my brain just flips a switch. And, mm. um, but I think, Getting the COVID vaccine, I went to a private GP so that I could have, you know, privacy. (laughs) Um, And the nurses were just really amazing. And I think, you know, they would have seen it all. Um, And they were really, really nice and 
held my hands through <laughs> it. And it was actually my first time going to get a needle by myself because of the COVID restrictions and wasn't allowed to bring anyone. And that, um, yeah, I just, I think for me, it was just a thinking about, um, you know, the reasons why I was getting a vaccine. And I think working in Richmond with young people who, you know, we're in a community that is high risk, that was really the driving factor for me um, was if I wanted to work in this community and I wanted to um, be welcomed into this community, I should do everything I can to protect them. And that's what really drove me to get vaccinated and, and to put that above my fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And breathing exercises help. Oh, <laughs> I'm not breathing by the time I'm in there, really. <laughs> yeah, but it's, I'm very dramatic. And um, But yeah, the, we had a couple of young people who, two young people who were quite nervous and they did a really great job. And shout out to the two of them, I'm not going to name you, but <laughs> shout out to them for coming through to the pop-up vax. And I think the ice cream vouchers really yeah. softened mm-hmm. the blow. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest benefit to young people after getting their jab? Um, we spoke to a few young people after they received their um, jab on Friday. And I think, you know, there's, like Ragda said, there's multiple reasons why people get vaccinated. I think the biggest benefit is obviously to our health, um, not just personally, but mm. to the community. And I think with young people... They've missed out on a lot um, in the last two years, um, in formative years of their lives. Um, and when you're at such a young age, you know, time is so precious. And I think for them, it's returning to normal life and yeah. fun things again mm-hmm. and getting to do, um, you know, what they love, but at the same time doing it and ensuring that everyone around them is safe. Thank you both for um, so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. <laughs> no and problem. Thank you for giving us this opportunity. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I would love to hear it and other people will too. And f- help yourself to some cold hot potatoes out the front. <laughs> oh, my gosh. There you go. Because <laughs> we have hot potatoes on, um, on was it, is it Thursday and Friday if you want to yeah, get vaccinated? Yeah, Thursdays. Thursdays. Come down yeah. and get vaccinated yeah. and get a, get a hot dinner. I have with me in the studio right now Dr Innes and she has qualifications in venereology, public health and governance and we're going to get into um, vaccines and particularly vaccines for young people. Dr Innes, can you introduce yourself? Hi, my name's Innes Rio. I'm a GP at North Richmond Community Health Centre and I also have another, uh, lots of other interests and roles. I'm also the chair of the Primary Health Network and I'm on a number of committees for both the Victorian and federal government, and many of those are around COVID at the moment. What is a vaccine and why do we need a COVID-19 vaccine? A vaccine is something that's administered to people so that they develop an immunity to the infection itself. We've got a long history of vaccination over, you know, m- over a long time period. Our first vaccine was really the smallpox vaccine. And we would have had, 
you know, as adults, many, many vaccines over our life period. And those vaccines have stopped us from getting really serious illnesses, things like meningococcal, things like diphtheria, things like tetanus. And certainly in my life as a GP, um, more vaccinations have actually developed in response to really serious diseases. Um, vaccination is the public health um, star, really, of, of our century, and it saves between two and four million lives per year around the world. It's absolutely extraordinary. So if we burrow down to what a vaccine actually does. A vaccine stimulates your own immune system to develop fighters or antibodies. It can do this in a number of ways that we can explore later. But the idea around these fighters or antibodies is then if your body is exposed to the natural infection, it already has these fighters that can fight that natural infection before it takes hold in your body and before you develop a serious illness. With regards to the COVID-19 vaccines, there's a whole series of vaccines, but there's three predominant ones that we actually have and we use in Australia, and they're all absolutely approved. They've gone through a really strenuous approval process. And the three that we have, you've probably heard about, they're AstraZeneca, Pfizer, and Moderna. And they act in a different way. So the way that the AstraZeneca works is it actually gives you a component of what would be on the COVID virus. It's called a spike protein. So on the COVID virus itself, it's got a whole lot of proteins or bits to it. One of the important bits of the COVID-19 virus is a little hook on the outside that hooks onto your cells and it's called a spike protein. What the AstraZeneca does is it just delivers the spike protein without the rest of the COVID virus itself. And what your body does is it develops antibodies or fighters to that COVID, to that spike protein, because it sees the spike protein and it says, oh, well, I've never seen one of these before. This is not natural in my body. I'm going to develop a fighter for it. So it develops these fighters or antibodies. The spike protein itself then goes away and you're just left with these fighters or spike protein antibodies. Then what happens is when you see the real COVID virus and you get infected with the COVID virus, your body says, oh, I know what those spike proteins are. I've seen them before and I have fighters for those. And so it fights the spike proteins and that makes that COVID virus unable to get into your cells and to actually infect them and to, um, to multiply. So that's how that works. The Moderna and the Pfizer work slightly differently, but they still work on the spike protein. Instead of giving you the spike protein, they're giving you um, an in your body an instruction to make the spike protein. It's a new type of um, technology, and what it does is it actually gives you the instructions to make the spike protein your body then makes the spike protein or the antibodies or fighters against this spike protein. 
and then it all gets rid of the message itself. So in both cases, in the case of the AstraZeneca and the Pfizer and the Moderna, what you're left with after vaccination, and we can talk about how the vaccination works and how often you have it, is you're left with the fighters or the antibodies against the spike protein. People worry and they say, oh, you know, that, you know, some people worry, most people don't worry and they celebrate the fact that we've actually got vaccines. Some people say, well, that's not natural. But if you think about it, if you got the COVID virus itself, you'd get lots and lots of different antibodies and fighters after a while. And one of those would be the spike antibody. So what we're doing in this case is we're eliciting or making your body make a fighter against something so that you don't get the natural infection. And it has already saved thousands and thousands and thousands of people's lives. Should children and young people get the COVID-19 vaccine? So everybody that's eligible should get the COVID-19 vaccine. Why? Because COVID-19 is a really serious illness and because the vaccine is safe and effective. So if you actually think about those two things, firstly, we think about the COVID-19 infection itself. Now, COVID-19 infection is more or less serious depending on what your age and depending on what other health illnesses you have. We know that you're more likely to get seriously infected if you're older. We know that you're more likely to get seriously infected if you're pregnant. We know you're more likely to get seriously infected if you have other underlying illnesses. However, we can all get infected. Young people, if they get infected, are less likely to get seriously infected, but some do. And at the moment, the children's hospital is full of people, of young people that are actually infected with COVID-19. And there have been a number of deaths. There have been few in Australia, but there have been a number of deaths in young people. But the other thing is if you're infected, your likelihood of passing it on to other people in the community is much lower. So pregnant women, your parents, your grandparents and people you work with um, or, or people you live with or people that you, you, know, you have social activities with. So you want to be COVID vaccinated so that you don't get sick and so that you don't pass it on to anybody else. Um, the other thing that, you know, I think is worth mentioning is the fact that the vast majority of people are vaccinated and increasingly we can see that, you know, you have a responsibility to yourself, but you also have a responsibility to other people not to infect them. And there's been an increasing move, as everyone would see, for people not to socialise, for people not to be involved in activities unless they're fully vaccinated. And that's about a social responsibility. It's about saying to people, actually, it's really important you get vaccinated so you don't give it to other people as well. The other part of this is the safety component of it. The COVID-19 vaccine is incredibly safe. Everything that, ha everything that works has a potential side effect. And certainly there are potential side effects with COVID-19. Most of the side effects are short-lived and relatively mild. They're things like a sore arm at the injection site, aches and pains, fever, headache, and those things can go on for a few, they, some people don't get them at all, but they can go on for a few hours or a few days. 
but they're absolutely minor in comparison, as I said, to getting the infection itself or passing it on to others. The other thing that's worth noting is that in getting a COVID-19 infection, there is the chance of getting what we call long COVID. We think that we're not quite sure, but we think probably one in four people after a COVID infection will have long-term symptoms that go on for over six months. That's not related to the infection itself. The infection has cleared, but the, the, the long consequences of the infection, things like um, headache, chest pain, lethargy, inability to concentrate and chest pain. And we don't know how that plays out in younger people versus older people, but certainly that's something that we wouldn't want to happen to people. So with young people, what would you say is the biggest misconception about the vaccine and how do you go about explaining that misconception and, uh, you know, put it into perspective? I think that there's... um there's a, a number, well, I suppose firstly, Mia, the vast majority of people actually want to be vaccinated. And I think that the question about vaccine hesitancy earlier on in when the vaccines were being distributed, people talked about a vaccine hesitancy rate of about 30%. In other words, probably about 30, 25 to 30 people out of every 100 weren't quite sure about having the vaccine. And that was for a number of reasons. But as it became more evident that COVID-19 was both a prevalent disease, in other words, there was more and more of it, and that it was a serious disease, people have actually taken up the vaccine, young people and old people alike. So most, the vast majority of people that are eligible are vaccinated. And I'd like to congratulate all of the people that have been vaccinated and encourage them to encourage other people to be vaccinated. And just to talk to others about, you know, what their concerns might be and, and why they actually got vaccinated. So I think that there's a range of issues that I've come across about why people um, are a bit hesitant or might not want to be vaccinated. And usually after working it out with that particular individual, they do get vaccinated. Some of the common ones would be, I won't get very sick as a young person. And as I said, Mia, before, it is true, absolutely true, that younger people tend not to get as, as ill. However, for any individual in front of you, you don't know. They might get very sick. They might get long COVID. And importantly, they might give it to somebody else that might get very sick. And I think exploring those issues is really important. One of the other issues I think that's, you know, not uncommon is the question, especially in young women, about whether it might affect their fertility or might affect their ability to have children later. That's something that I've heard. There is absolutely no evidence of that. There is absolutely no scientific reason for that. And we we absolutely recommend it, even when women are pregnant or breastfeeding or just before when they're contemplating it. So I would say it's um, to put that out of your mind. Um, millions and millions of people around the world have been vaccinated just pre-pregnancy or while they're pregnant or while they're breastfeeding. Um, and the other thing is that there are a whole lot of 
um, completely ridiculous things that actually happen in the internet, in that sort of inter-world, that um, I think that, you know, young people are really, really good at actually dividing what the truth is from the rubbish. Um, and I think that young people often are very good at that, Mia, and I would encourage people when they're actually presented with something that doesn't make sense or it's a conspiracy theory to actually just sit back and have a little analysis of that, have a little think about that, and then go to some credible sources to ask that question. Things like the WHO, World Health Organization, or the Centre of Disease Control, or the Victorian and Australian um, government websites, or the TGA. Um, I suppose the other thing to actually mention is that the surveillance and diligence over the COVID vaccine has been absolutely extraordinary and like nothing I have ex ever experienced as a doctor before. And one of the outcomes of that is that we do find over time that there are some changes in our recommendations and people perhaps have seen that with something like the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine where some of the things like the myocarditis or the inflammation around the heart aspect has actually come up as an issue. That inflammation around the heart hasn't killed anyone. Um, it's completely manageable, but it's important to understand that we're asking people all the time, are you having any problems? Are you having any side effects? We're collecting that data, not just in Victoria, not just in Australia, but around the world. So we're getting a very clear picture of issues as they arise. And we can inform people about that, both people, the community, and also, you know, the GPs and providers. So I, I suppose in summary, I would say, this is something that we are learning from. This is something that we are growing from, but absolutely being transparent in the issues that arise um, out of the vaccination. And, uh, and as I said before, the vaccine is very safe and it is very effective. And at the end of the day, for a serious illness, that's what you want. You want a vaccine, you want it to be safe and you want it to be effective. So really, I mean, this is, from my point of view, it's the miracle of modern medicine and science has actually given us a gift. And we're in a position now that 100 years ago, you know, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people in Australia would have already died out of COVID. Um, we are talking about Pfizer and Moderna before. Uh, what vaccine is better for young people? Um, the vaccine is, that's better is probably the one that you can get, I'd say. Um, so either, either Pfizer or Moderna is absolutely fine. Um, there is a slight difference in the interval between them. The Pfizer vaccine, you get two injections for both of them. So the Pfizer is usually three weeks apart and the Moderna is four weeks apart. We now recommend a booster dose, so that's six months after the second dose. We don't know how long that immunity will last. What the booster dose is, so after the second dose of either Pfizer or Moderna, about two weeks after the second dose, you will get your maximal antibody or fighter response. And then that fighter response 
like many immunizations, we've found now that that fighter response starts to decline after about six months. So we give a booster dose after six months. We don't know yet how long this booster dose will last and whether people will need another. But that's not an uncommon thing. That's what we do for hepatitis B as well. And we found that you give two doses and another booster dose six months later, and that actually lasts all your life. So we might find that. Getting back to your question about Moderna or Pfizer, really, it's just the one that you can get. Both of them are very similar in the way they behave. They have minor changes. They have a similar um, effectiveness profile. Are there risks or side effects for children and young people who get the vaccine? Some of the... um, There are a list of... When we talk about side effects, there's a whole group of side effects that you can get that go from common to very uncommon. So the common side effects that you can get from both the... All three vaccines are... um, They're administered by an injection into the arm, into your upper arm, Um, and you can get pain and swelling at the site and redness. You can get an achy arm. You can get a fever... Um, headache, muscle ache and pain. They're, the co- they're relatively common side effects. Um, the, there are a set of uncommon side effects or to rare side effects that we're concerned about. So if we talk about the Moderna and the Pfizer, the issue there is a small risk of myocarditis or inflammation around the heart. The way that usually presents is by chest pain or palpitations um, or shortness of breath. And that usually presents, it's uncommon, but if it presents, it's usually between day one and day 10 after the vaccine has been administered. So not immediately. And if that's the case, you need to attend your doctor or emergency department in a really timely way, so quite urgently. They will do some ECGs and an echocardiograph and take some blood tests and they will monitor you and treat you as needed. Mm-hmm. I'm not aware of anybody that's died of myocarditis in Australia. I can say that in my friendship circle, um, there's been a few people who had heart palpitations yep. and sometimes a couple of them went to the doctor and they had some tests done and they said oh you're fine but you're probably anxious (laughs) yes and that's true and I think that that's it's interesting because I did a vaccination session the other day and gave some Pfizer and I went through all of those side effects and when somebody is waiting because after you have your vaccination you wait for 15 to 30 minutes it's usually 15 minutes but if you've got a history of an allergy it's 30 minutes Mm -hmm. Um, and they started getting those symptoms at the time and I obviously went and assessed them but said look I'm very confident that this is your anxiety worrying about this because they were quite worried about the vaccine itself. Mm. The other thing that's worth worth mentioning is an allergy. An allergy to the vaccine is actually very, very uncommon, but it's usually within the first 15 minutes after the vaccine, which is why after you have a vaccine, you stay around just in case you have an allergy so that you can be treated at that time by the doctor. Speaking to the young people who might be a little hesitant still about getting the vaccine, how would you encourage them to get the jab? Um, I think that 
hopefully you've got a GP and a good relationship with your GP. So go and talk to them about it. Don't be embarrassed about it. It's better that you work through the issues with them and so that you can actually divide what's real and what's not real. The other thing is to actually think, uh, talk to your friends that have had the vaccine and ask them, you know, what their experience was of having the vaccine. And I think by and large, you'll find that they were relieved and that it was very easy for them to have. And that's been my experience is that often people get quite anxious about it and they decide to have it and they say, really, is that it? Mm. That's great. Now I just don't have to worry. Um, And the other thing is just to to try to work out what the reality is about why you're concerned and not to get yourself into this really anxious cycle Mm. that's sort of escalating down and, and working out why. Because it really is as simple as this is a severe illness and we have an effective and safe vaccination. And increasingly, Mia, it's really hard to live a life without being vaccinated, don't you find? It's hard to go and have a coffee or go to the zoo or go into a bar. And I think that, you know, there are those practicalities of getting vaccinated, getting your vaccine certificate and living your life in a really full and positive way. Mm. Uh, Thank you so much for talking with me today and providing your expertise and um, I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure Mia and as I'd say for people out out that are eligible and haven't been vaccinated yet please do consider being vaccinated. I'm sure that you'll be very pleased that you have been. Thank Mm. you Mia. Thank you Dr Innes. Special thank you to my guests today, Sandra, Ragda, Dr. Innes, Lara and Howie. Whether you're administering a vaccine or receiving a vaccine, keep up the awesome work working together to reach this common goal, which is saving lives and keeping the community safe. And that in turn is uh, helping us get back to going to the movies and hanging out with friends and doing all that normal stuff that we've always used to be doing. What could be more important than that? So thanks again for tuning in and see you next time.